Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Amen, amen, and, and what a good one to start off on. Uh, that, that was my granddad's favorite, and every time that when I was a little kid, we'd go to uh, my granddad's church, you know, he would always want them to sing that one, it seemed like, and, and then my aunt, who played the piano when we were kids, we'd, we'd always sit around, uh, and she'd play, and that would be always one that my papa would want, so uh, when I hear that, I often kind of go back to my Mississippi roots there, but... Uh, it's good to see, uh, well, I always want to say see you this morning. I believe in faith you're online and you're there. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, we are planning uh, on opening worship in February. Our deacons have been uh, looking at that and texting each other, and so we don't need to meet uh, Wednesday night. But we are going to reopen worship for February, uh, like we had uh, said originally and we're not going to do Sunday school uh, yet. We're going to wait on that. Let me just say a word about uh, on whether or not coming or not. That's, that's up to you. But if you are in what we'd call that upper age bracket, all right? I mean, if you are an individual that is in that higher risk category, you've got an underlying health condition. Uh, and being in large groups really poses a danger. You haven't had your vaccine. Uh, you haven't had COVID yet, so you don't have any antibodies, then I'm asking you to just kind of consider and really pray about being uh, here in February. It's okay to be online. Uh, you're excused to continue to watch at home until maybe a little bit safer time. I don't know if we'll ever get to a, a time where we can be together in a big group and be 100% safe uh, and uh, free of worry from virus, but... Uh, the good news is the numbers are trending down. Things have gotten better. The hot spot of Tennessee and even in our county has uh, begun to diminish. And, and so uh, I appreciate uh, your sacrifice during this time to help that. I know not everybody's closed. I know that a lot of people still go in places. But we've done our part in being responsible uh, to our community to try to be a leader in this area. And I, and I appreciate uh, your sacrifice to kind of hold for a month and... Uh, and, and do it from home. And, but I'm looking forward to preaching and, and talking to uh, a few of you in person. So February, the first Sunday in February, we're reopening the worship only. Uh, don't forget we're continuing to give to Lottie Moon. We're going to continue to push that uh, through February. Uh, we're not going to show a video this morning uh, because we're not sure, but it might be the videos that we're showing that seem to somehow kick us off on Facebook and some of the other social media platforms. So we're going to see if we have a better morning this morning and not getting kicked off. If that does happen uh, and you're trying to get uh, online, just you, you might need to refresh your Facebook page or you also uh, check it out on YouTube. You can go to the YouTube page. The easiest way would be actually go to the website itself and uh, catch it there. Uh, so there's several different ways you can kind of catch the broadcast as it gets restreamed in, in, in some of those things. But hopefully we won't have those issues uh, this morning. But I do want to encourage you to, to give to Lottie Moon and to uh, make that offering. We'll continue to, uh, to take that up. I think we're just above $6,100 in our uh, giving so far, the last count I had, and our goal is 15000 Before we have a word of prayer this morning and pray for our offerings that come in, 
I want us to remember a few folks in prayer, uh, Harold and Linda Robbins. Harold uh, is much improved. Talked to David this morning. Uh, he is uh, actually doing quite better. And Miss Linda is doing better, too. She's still in serious condition in ICU. Uh, they did get to reduce the vent from 60 to 55. That's a good sign. Uh, unfortunately, she did develop a staph infection, which is not uncommon, but it can be pretty serious in and of itself. They have changed her antibiotics, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, she'll continue to improve day by day and then get out uh, of ICU. Continue to remember uh, Ken Davis. Uh, Ken's still in ICU and looking for a chance to uh, transition to long-term uh, uh, care for some of the things that's going on with him. So Ken and Debbie, keep them in your prayers. Dean Turnage, uh, we had a prayer concern for her. Uh, the news, I think, came back uh, uh, on her cancer. It wasn't a good report. We want to remember that family. Uh, Jean Lane, that's uh, Harvey's sister. She had had a heart attack, uh, they're saying, and she is at Jackson Madison County General Hospital, so we want to remember uh, her as well. So let's remember these this morning as we pray together. I know there's others on our hearts and minds. Uh, text those to us. We'll put them on the prayer list that uh, maybe we've missed this this week and uh, continue to pray for them. Uh, also, Miss Helen Edelman, who lost her son, Jerry, let's pray for her, uh, and Miss Mildred Skelton, who lost her daughter, Michelle Reed, uh, this past week. So those are some that, that, that I know about as well. Let's open with a word of prayer, and we'll continue our worship together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love and your grace and goodness, and we continue to pray through these difficult days. Give us the wisdom and the understanding of what we need to do and how we need to operate, both as a community leader, but also, Lord, uh, as faithful servants of you. And Lord, we've missed this time of being together. And we do pray, Lord, that it's made an impact and a difference and perhaps uh, turn the curve uh, with uh, the outbreaks of COVID in our community uh, on that downward trend. And Lord, we plan to open back up in February. We pray uh, for your continued hand of blessing upon us. And Lord, to, to watch over our, our family of faith as we come together and worship and and just interact with each other. And Lord, we continue to pray as we move through this year that we can open up more and more and more. Our heart's desire, Lord, uh, is, of course, to get back to what we used to do, where we were just, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and having activities for our kids and youth, and just, Lord, in, in, in full throttle ministry uh, to those that, that, that are in our congregation and in our community, Lord. That, that's where our heart's desires are at. But, Lord, until that day, we continue just to trust in your guidance. We pray, Lord, for these that we've mentioned, those who are sick, those who are in the hospital, those who have lost loved ones, all those things that, that are just part of our heart for each other and our faith in you. We give them to you. Lord, be with our praise team this morning as they continue to lead us in worship. And then, Lord, as you speak to us in your, in your holy word, guide our thoughts, lead us, Lord, in that which we need to know and that which we need to do. In your name, Jesus, amen. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. 
Amen. In 1 Corinthians 5, 27, it says, Thanks be to God, He gives the victory through our Lord Christ Jesus. And in Psalms 150, verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
it tells us that we know that in all things God works for the good of those he loves, for those he has called according to his purpose. Whatever we're going through as Christians, we may be in a battle right now, but we know ultimately we're going to see a victory. Victory. 
Many of you, or some of you, may know the name Derek Redman. In 1992, Derek Redman was a, a sprinter from Great Britain. He was running in the 400-meter relay. About halfway through the race, his hamstring snapped, and he falls to the track. And he begins to get up, and he's trying to finish the race. He's trying to get to the end, to the finish line. And he's, he's doing it all by himself. And the camera, all of a sudden, it, it, it pans over to the crowd, and there's a man coming down, and he's just throwing people out of the way, recklessly trying to get to that young man. He's running past security guards, the stadium officials. Nothing was going to stop that man from getting to his son, Derek Redman. And he helped him finish the race. That's the way God's love is for us. There's nothing that's going to stop him from getting to his child.
mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Father God, we bow before you and we thank you for the love that you've shown us, that uh, there is nothing that's going to stop you from getting to your, your children, Lord. And we pray for everyone out there today who's uh, listening to us on the Internet. Lord, help them to see that regardless of what we're going through, how alone we may feel, you are always there with us. You promise you'll never leave us or forsake us, and that there's nothing that's going to stop you from getting to your children. And we thank you for that promise that we have in Christ Jesus. We love you, and we ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Isn't it wonderful to know that God loves us with a reckless love, the way that, the way that he does with all his heart, we are loved of God. Uh, even when we make mistakes, I, I messed up. I, I failed to make a couple announcements that I wanted to make earlier, so I'm going to give those to you real quick. Uh, we, had, we have not mentioned yet that Chad and Amy had their baby, uh, Tillman, Annie Kay. Can't wait till they're here, and we can show her off. She was born January the 9th, uh, 2021, 7 pounds and 20 ounces. Also, there's a shower next week for J.D. and Lauren. Uh, that will be a drive-by shower. It starts at 1.30. Uh, just simply go by Sandra Maddox's home. Uh, and uh, you can uh, uh, drop off a gift there. Uh, information's on Facebook, and you can uh, get, get that as well. And also, we had a, a prayer request for Megan Sparks, so we want to put Megan Sparks on our prayer list this morning as well. Take your Bible today and open to Ephesians chapter 2. We're in our series, uh, That Ancient Foe, Satan. And we've been talking about Satan now 
for the last uh, several weeks, three weeks, fourth uh, counting today. We've talked about who is Satan. We looked at uh, that question and we said Satan is that uh, angelic creature that God created, a perfect, beautiful, splendid angelic creature that was in charge of the worship of God. And we said uh, that his name was Lucifer uh, and he rebelled against God and he became known uh, by the name Satan. That's his title now. And we looked there at the war in heaven. We said the Bible says there's actually two wars in heaven. There's one at the beginning of the age uh, before Adam and Eve, or at least before Adam and Eve sin. And then there's a second war that the Bible speaks about that's in heaven, and that is at, at the end of the age. And neither one of those wars, according to the Bible, is really much of a battle. Satan in the first uh, battle there was kicked out of heaven and uh, defeated uh, rather easily uh, with, uh, with the power of God. And uh, we said, because of that, you know, what then was Satan left to do? It had already been all chips in on the, uh, the great gamble to go against God. If you can't hurt the one directly that you want to hurt, well then the best way to hurt them is to try to hurt them in an indirect way. And so Satan's only recourse was to attack man the focus of God's love. What we were singing about just a moment ago, how God loves us in that reckless way, uh, all of his heart. God is all in uh, the chips on the poker table with his love for us, so to speak. And so he came to the garden and we looked at Satan in the garden and we saw the temptation. And by the time the, uh, the garden story is over with there in Genesis 3, we see that man has been booted out of the garden because of his rebellion, because of his failure, because of his giving into sin. And uh, Satan is slithering out of the garden, and it brings us to the point where we're at to, in our study today, Satan in the world. And when I was thinking about this subject this week and, and trying to pull the message together, I think I even put out on Facebook, you know, the hardest thing sometimes to do in sermon work is to get started. I kind of know where God wants us to go, knew the passage that God wants us to be in, but uh, getting started was a little bit harder. And in part because I, was, I couldn't really come into grips in my mind where we were going to be in terms of this focus of Satan in the world. Uh, we could be talking about, for example, uh, Satan involved in the governance affairs of our world. We, we looked at Ezekiel a few weeks ago, and uh, the prophet was given the message of God to speak to the king of Tyre, which would have been the uh, part of that governance of the world in that day. But we said in that prophecy, he's actually speaking to the power behind the throne, which was Satan. And so when we think about Satan in the world today, we could talk about the governance affairs in our world. And I think there is a great deal of satanic activity in the governance affairs around our world. We could spend uh, an entire message on that. We could talk about finance. Uh, we could talk about the world of business. Uh, from Wall Street to uh, corporate headquarters around our world, uh, what moves and shakes and what's happening in our world today is uh, unfortunately, I think, driven in a lot of ways by the satanic influences of what Satan wants to accomplish and do. And uh, we could spend time there. We could talk about education uh, from uh, the very earliest uh, age of ears who sit and learn today what is being uh, uh, taught and presented to them in terms of a uh, a worldview all the way to the very highest uh, levels of academics. We could talk about the influence and the, the, uh, the work of Satan that's happening uh, in the 
area of education. And then we could talk about social justice. That's a big word today, social justice. Uh, there's a lot of talk about that. And there are those today that, that, that want to bring about uh, right in areas of wrong in the world, and they want to uh, make an impact. And, and unfortunately, a lot of what's happening in the realm of social justice today has been corrupted and and made sinful in the influence of Satan. And so those are areas that we could look at. But the Lord just kept laying on my heart this morning not to be in those areas. Those are big subjects, big topics. And, and quite frankly, we, we covered a lot of those things back last year when we were in our truth series about truth and things that are true. I want to ask the question this morning about Satan in the world. Where is Satan in you? Where is he influencing you? Where is he attacking you? And uh, there's the big picture, but I want us to really think about the personal picture. And uh, so I want us to think about that in our text. And we're going to look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to stop there in verse 3. And let me say this morning that you got to remember, Paul is writing Christians... And so he's writing to believers, but in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2, what Paul is doing here, he's talking to the Christians there at Ephesus about their life before Christ. He's talking to that, their, their spiritual condition before they became a, a believer, before they became a Christian, and what Satan had done to them. And so I want to say this message today is for those who are lost to, to, to see the spiritual condition they are in. And then it's also for Christians today to understand that we need to see the spiritual condition that we have hopefully come from. But unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, while we don't lose our salvation, we do get sin sick. And we still have some of these things in our life that are evident. Uh, and it's evident of the influence of Satan and his influence in our life in this world. I want to say on the, on the outset, too, that Satan is alive and he's active in our world. And I want you to understand that. So before we begin, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, to read that, let me give you a quote. I'm going to give it to you now, and I'll give it to you at the end, because it really does, I think, underscore the message in a very uh, focused way. It's uh, by Scott Peck, who wrote the book, The Road Less Travel. It's from his book. Listen closely to what he says. The symptoms and the illness are not the same thing. The illness exists long before the symptoms. Rather than being the illness, the symptoms are the beginning of its cure. The fact that they are unwanted makes them all the more a phenom or a phenomenon of God's grace. A gift of God. A message from the unconscious to initiate self examination and repair what I want to give you this morning is the symptoms of the illness and when you listen to these understand that while we're talking about the influences of Satan we're also talking about the grace gift of God in in that he can show us through his word and in our lives and our failures our need for his love and his forgiveness and his grace. As a matter of fact, in my Bible, uh, this chapter starts out with uh, the italics 
uh, heading, uh, the editors have put there, uh, being saved by grace through faith. So this is a grace chapter, but it does talk about our responsibility to the grace of God. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. Listen to what Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Now that's Satan. The spirit that is now, underscore this word, now at work. Not was at work or will be in work, but is at work right now. In the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you see that? Paul says we're a little different now, but there was a time we weren't different from those in the world. Have you ever wondered why life is hard? Why it has to be such a struggle? I mean, think about it. Even for the richest and the strongest and, and, the, and the, the most powerful of us, life still has its struggle. Have you ever wondered why there's so much suffering? Why there's so much pain, so much agony in the world? Have you ever wondered why it's hard to, to have a good marriage and even harder to keep a good marriage? Why it's hard to raise your children to be good children and to stay good people and be good people? Why it's hard to please your boss and be financially responsible in your life and just have a life that is a life that's, that's good in all the ways that it ought to be? Have you ever wondered why it seems that people are always fighting with each other and always arguing with each other? Why there's so much alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and, and why we're living in such a pornographic world like we are today? Well, I think in an answer, the reason life is that way and tends to be that way is because of Satan. Perhaps in a few words, we might say it's because of Satan, the world, and the flesh. That's what the Bible tells us. Those are the three great enemies to the Christian, Satan, the world, and the flesh. And we have an old ancient foe, Satan, who's still very active and alive in this world. I've said to you on the outset of these messages, we are at war. I've said to you that it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, there's no neutral ground. You're either on one side or the other. You're either standing with God or you're standing against God. Furthermore, we've said that not only does God have a a purpose and plan for our life, that Satan has a purpose and plan for our life as well. And so the key for us this morning is to understand that when we look at these verses, we're seeing played out the purpose and the plan that Satan has for all of us in our life. It's the, the awful condition of a person who's lost and unsaved. And by the way, if you are lost, that is, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then Satan's only purpose for you really is that you remain lost. All these other things don't matter so much to him. But if you are a Christian, then he wants these things to be more evident in your life. 
You know, uh, there are two things that Satan wants to be true about a Christian. Number one, he does not want for a Christian to enjoy the full blessing of a relationship with God. He wants our relationship with God to be severed, damaged. He wants us to be cut off uh, from the presence of God and the power of God and, uh, and the peace of God. But not only that, Satan wants for us to not only to, to miss the enjoyment of the blessings of God, but to not be involved in the evangelism work of God, to be sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, that's, his, that's been his plan for uh, the family of God since the per, uh, very beginning. His plan is to steal God's worship. His practice is to wage war by uh, deception. He comes in and he sows the seed of doubt. He tries to get us to uh, deny the truth of God. And then he wants us to disobey God and, and put our life in our own hands and, and trust and faith and not in the hands of God. And so he's very alive, he's active, and he's engaged in this world today. And this is where he wants for us to be. I want you to see quickly this morning five things that are true of a person who's lost, but unfortunately can still be true of a Christian today if we're not in the right condition or right place in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, Satan wants to keep us dead. Look in verse 1. And you were dead, he said, in trespasses. Now notice what he says here. You're dead. But he didn't just say you were dead. You were dead in trespasses. He's talking about how you've died, why you've died, what's been the cause of your death. You know, it's a big thing now. Uh, today, when a person dies, they, they, they log down the cause. And then particularly, uh, in the age in which we're living, what are they counting? They're, they're counting COVID deaths. And there's been a great debate over how many who have actually died. Uh, you know, there, there were reports that, you know, people have been killed in car wrecks that happened to be infected with COVID, uh, and they were listed as cause of death as COVID. And we go, well, wait a minute. Did they really die of COVID, or did they die of injuries from a car wreck? You know, we kind of question those kinds of things that may have happened or may not have happened. I don't know. But that's kind of stuff you read on the Internet. But anyway, you know, we want the cause to be a real legitimate cause. We want it to be a real cause. And so there's a great question over that today. But we talk about how people have died. Well, it's important in the spiritual realm how people uh, are dead and why people are dead. And Paul says here, the reason for the death is trespasses. That's an interesting Greek word. That uh, word is peritoma. It means to make a false step or a blunder, to simply fall aside from the truth and unrighteousness when one should have done something different. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate that to you. Sometimes you, you'll see in the news or read in the paper, maybe there is a judge or there is a prosecuting attorney or there's a a policeman that does something wrong they break the law and then they get into trouble and uh, they're being convicted and we go well what a shame what a shame the ones that knew the law the ones that were responsible for help society keep the law has broken the law and we say something like this they should have known better that's the word that's being used here when we're we're told of Paul 
that we are dead in our trespasses. We should have known better. There's no excuse for our sinfulness. It actually is carrying us all the way back to Adam and his disobedience. If anyone should have known better, it was Adam. Adam walked with God. Adam talked with God. Adam was created like no other man, woman, boy, girl, had really ever been created in the, in, in the image of God. Uh, he didn't have a, a, a bad environment. He didn't have a bad a set of circumstances. He didn't have any negative influences. Uh, he, he knew the, the, the right thing. God had spelled it out. There was only one law to obey. Think about it. I mean, there weren't Ten Commandments in the sense that we have the Ten Commandments today. He only had one commandment. Don't eat of that fruit of that tree. And yet, Adam still trespassed. Listen to what uh, Romans chapter beginning in verse 15 says but the free gift is not like the trespass from if many die through one man's trespass talking about Adam much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man Jesus Christ abounded for many and the free gift is not like the result of that uh, man's sin that one man's sin for the judgment followed one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, and here's the whole gist of it, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Just as sin uh, in Adam led to death to all, life through Jesus leads to life for all. But I want you to hear that word trespasses that was used there. Same word, paratoma. It is, you can think of it this way, uh, it's the thought of as a criminal in the mind of a sinner being thought of in the same word as a criminal is thought of in the mind of God. We were criminally dead in our sins. We had no excuse. Uh, that word sin, that word we know, it means to miss the mark to wander from the right path, to do wrong, to go down the wrong way. Uh, it is the natural consequences of sinning, falling aside and missing the mark, death. So when God sees us, he sees us as dead. You, you, you see a, a, a young person, uh, 13, 14 years of age, doesn't know Christ. How does how does God see that person? You and I see a very uh, vibrant, living uh, individual. I mean, you know, young at age and strong. God says they're dead. They're dead. Because you see, God sees the real person. And that is their trespasses in sin. But the good news, and that's what we read there in Romans, is that there is life that is through Jesus Christ. Only God can raise someone from the dead. 
I mean, you think about it, as wonderful as modern medicine is today, when a person truly dies, and I mean dies, doesn't matter how gifted the surgeon is or the doctor, there's nothing else they can do for them. I mean, there gets to be a point where they can't bring that person back. Now, you've had people resuscitated. You've had people that uh, even have been somewhat pronounced dead, but after a short while, maybe uh, through medicine, uh, they were able to get them back. Now, you hear of strange stories like that. But after about 30 minutes or so of inactivity in the brain, they're gone. There's no more life to be had. There's no more life to be saved. They're dead. But I would remind you that Jesus, listen, he raised three from the dead. And more than that, he raised himself from the dead. Only God can raise a dead man. And what is needed when we're dead in our trespasses is life. And only God can raise us from that dead condition. So Satan wants to keep us in that dead condition, dead in our trespasses. Satan wants to also keep us deluded. Look in verse 2. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Before we accepted Christ as Savior, our utter deadness to spiritual things were, was evident in our behavior. We walked how? According to the course of this world. In other words, the spirit of the age held an iron grip on us. That word course is the word aeon. It means age or era of time. We live in a world that has always displayed hostility towards God. I think the hostility towards God is growing in our world today. And, and it's a prevailing attitude of the world. Uh, you know, whether today the world has a, an attitude of adventure or discovery or uh, 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 goodwill, the overall general attitude is always what? Fleshly, worldly, devilish. Why? Because the world is the sworn enemy of God. This world is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, over in verse 15 and in verse 17. And, and John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, and with it desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. John makes it very clear that this world is the enemy of God, that this world is uh, uh, not... Uh, passioned for God, not desiring for God. And so that's the truth. We're utterly devoid of thinking in a godly way because we're utterly devoid of thinking as God would think. We're dead. We're deluded. And third, Satan wants to keep us disobedient. Uh, look at verse 2. Now Satan is at work in the sons of disobedience. The force here well, this uh, phrase is a lot stronger than what you read in the English. Um, for example, the word son is derived from the word that means a special relationship with, a unique origin with, a, a unique tie to. There is a real uh, bond between the, the father and the son. 
And what Paul is saying is that we were what? Sons of the disobedient. Well, what is that? Sons of the devil. We have the nature, we have the character of the evil spirit of Satan himself. The very one that prompts people to disobey God. Listen, the moment Adam sinned, he became more like Satan than like God. Yet he had been created in the image of God. He had been created in the pattern of God. He had been created to to have communion with God, to be one with God. But yet when he sinned, he became 100% opposite of God. You know, one of the first behaviors that our children displays is disobedience. You know, you don't have to teach a kid to do wrong, do you? I mean, you don't, you know, the, one of the first words I promise you, you taught your children was the word no. Or perhaps the word stop. I, I get tickled. Uh, we were FaceTiming with Ke- uh, Kaylee yesterday, and they got moved into their new home. They've been in a real small kind of compact place for a while while their home was being uh, uh, remodeled. And uh, it's a whole new world now for May. And beforehand, we would uh, FaceTime, and it was just right there in their little living room around the coffee table. But now May thinks she's got the run of, listen, Texas. And uh, so we, 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 we laugh at Kaylee following May through the house with her phone, uh, and May's into every drawer and every uh, closet there is. And you, you can hear Kaylee going over and over, stop, no, get out of that. And, of course, you know, I'm just giggling as a granddaddy. It doesn't bother me one bit at all and, and laughing at my grandbaby. But, you know, that's just our nature to explore, to get in things we don't need to be into, to, uh, to, to be rebellious. You know, Kaylee will tell her no and she'll laugh and take off and go do it anyway. That's the way we are by, by birth and by nature. And Satan has an enormous advantage over our fallen natures. I mean, we're already allied to him. We're already uh, 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 leaning towards uh, his influence. God has to overcome our disobedient spirit. Uh, One of the reasons that he uh, took uh, Israel uh, to Sinai and gave them the law, and he instituted that long age of discipline, was to help overcome their spirit of disobedience. That's why he found the light in his son, who John tells us in John 8, 29, always did those things that please the Father. Uh, and, and then while we're told that in Acts 17, verse 30, that he commands all men everywhere to repent because he knows our spirit is one of disobedience. All too often, Satan still manages to persuade us to think his way or our way's best, not God's way. That's what he said to Adam. That's what he said to Eve. You can eat of that tree. It's good. Just look how delicious it is. You don't have to believe God. You don't have to obey God. You can do it your way. You won't surely die. He whispers in our ear, and he gets us to be disobedient. Satan wants for you and I to be disobedient. He wants us dead, he wants us deluded, he wants us disobedient, and he wants us defiled. He wants to keep us defiled. That's the fourth thing. Listen to verse 3. Among whom we were all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Before we accepted Christ, we were controlled by the natural desire. That natural desire is what Paul means when he says this lust of the flesh. That word flesh here means our, our human carnal nature. That word uh, translated lust means strong desire. Not necessarily evil, uh, but it can be. For instance, Jesus said, I have a strong desire to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. Now, it wasn't the evil, though. It was for good. It was for the good of those disciples who needed to understand what real communion was about. It was about faith in Christ. It was about faith in his broken body and shed blood. That's how they were going to continue to connect with him. That's why Jesus desired in such a strong way to eat the Passover. Paul wrote to Timothy, if a man desires to, uh, the office of a bishop, he desires to the good work. There are those today that come into the Christian ministry because there is a strong desire. Uh, I know that feeling. There was a time in my life where I tried to get out of preaching. I spent about six months doing something else, and I was absolutely miserable. My wife, Pam, knew I was miserable. I won't forget, I got home one day, uh, uh, and uh, I, I said to her, I said, well, babe, I need to talk to you. And she said, well, are you ready to go back into ministry now? I said, what? She said, well, I've just been waiting on you. I know what you want to do. You're miserable. You don't want to go to church. You want to do anything uh, that, that uh, is godly related, and, and you're not where you need to be. She knew it before I did. She just patiently waiting on me to get in line. Uh, listen, God gives us good desires, but Satan wants to take the, the human desires that we have and turn them to darkness. And, and, and unregenerated people who've not been born again are, are the most susceptible to, to having that, that defiled spirit at work in them. But it's not just those who are lost. It can be those who are saved. Paul had this uh, side in mind in Ephesians 2 and 3. He said, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind. We all have a natural spirit in us. I mean, even though I'm a born-again Christian, I still have the old flesh in me. And that's why Paul says in Acts, uh, I believe it's uh, Romans 8, he says, you know, the things that I ought to do, I don't do. And the things that I uh, ought not do, I do. He says, uh, you know, uh, there's this old flesh in me that's still fighting with the new spirit that's in me. And Satan wants to keep us defiled. So here you have it, dead, deluded, disobedient, defiled. And one more thing, Satan wants to keep us doomed listen verse three we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind that word children means by natural descent we were born of sinful parents into a sin-cursed world with a doomed prospect and satan wants to keep us in a doomed prospect way we were children of god's wrath Children of God's holy anger. Uh, fortunately, for the survival of the human race, God is what? Rich in mercy. God not giving us what we deserved. His mercy. But God not only is rich in mercy, God is rich in grace, giving us more than we deserved. And, and that's what 
that's what this letter of Ephesians is all about. You, you begin to read on and then you find but in verse 4. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. We were doomed with no hope. And then God sent his son. You see, there's where Satan wants to keep us in a doomed condition. Let me just say this for, for, for Christians. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Christ has already won the war. Christ has already won the battle. But unfortunately, what? Some of you are living in defeat. You're still living in defeat. You're still living in the grave of your former person, your former life. Even though you've been born again, washed by the blood of the Lamb, you still have a sin that, that, that has a hold on you. And when you think about your life, and when you think about uh, the future, you, you don't look at it with hope, and you don't look at it with joy. You don't look at it in peace. You, you see it as the struggle. Dear friend, we're, we're sinners by birth, we're sinners by choice, we're sinners by practice. And when Adam sinned, our lot was, was cast in with his fate. We were cast into the world with this evil one. We were under the wrath of God. But when we've been born again, when we've been cleansed, when we've been washed by the blood, we've been given a new life and a new hope. If you are a Christian... You have an everlasting hope. You have a present and eternal joy that Satan should not be able to steal. But he wants to. He's still alive and he's still active in this world. And he wants nothing more than to keep you in that condition if you're a Christian. You know, when Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, and he called Lazarus, and Lazarus responded and rose from the dead and came out of that grave. What did Jesus say? He said to the crowd around, loose him and let him go. What's the ministry of the church? What are ministries of the Christian today, of the family of God? To help take the, the grave clothes off those who have been born again. Why don't I stand up here this morning to preach to you, to help you take those grave clothes off and live in the fullness of the life that God wants to give you. Do you know that fullness? Do you know that life in the way that Jesus has given it to you? Maybe this morning you're, you're lost. You say, well, I've not been born again. But this morning you hear Jesus calling your name, just like he called the name of Lazarus. He's calling you out of that grave. And he says, believe in me. Dear friend, can I tell you this morning that God is rich in mercy and great in love for you. That he will stand outside the grave of your life and call your name until you respond. He patiently waits on you. Don't make him delay. Don't, don't hold off another day. Don't give Satan one more victory in your life. I just went through five things that Satan wants for you. I don't know about you, but there's none of those that sound good to me. 
I don't want to give him an area to be victorious in my life in any place. I want to trust Jesus fully because I know he loves me and he wants what's best for me. I, I gave you that quote at the beginning. I want to give it to you again as we close. The symptoms and the illness are not the same thing. The illness existed long before the symptoms. Rather than being the illness, the symptoms are the beginning of its cure. And the fact that they are unwanted makes them all the more a phenomenon of God's grace, a gift of God. A message from the unconscious to initiate self-examination and repair. So there you have it. Maybe this morning you say, you know what? Dead. That's the way I feel on the inside with my sins. Deluded. That's what's in my mind and in my heart. A deluded view of this world and life. Disobedient. I know I'm disobedient. I don't live up to God's word and God's standard and God's holiness. Defiled, that's how I feel. That's why I can't pray and I can't come to church. I can't read my Bible because I feel dirty in the presence of God and doomed. Maybe Satan has convinced you there is no hope, no help, no happiness. You remember how I opened... Why are all these things in this world the way they are? Life's a struggle. There's hurt, pain, and sorrow. You remember what I said in a word? Satan. Why do I stand here today and proclaim help and hope and happiness? In a word, Jesus. Because God sent his son to die and be our savior. And when we put our faith in him, we're born again. And God takes those grave clothes off of us. He looses us and he sets us free. Heavenly Father, perhaps this morning someone listening says, Oh, how I need to respond to you, Jesus. I've seen the symptoms and it it is there to say to me in my life that I am sin sick. That I'm in that grave of death by way of trespasses. But this morning, Jesus, I've heard you're calling my name. Lord, I don't know who heard the message today, but perhaps one today has heard it like never before. And heard your voice, not some preacher's voice. Saying, come to me. Trust me as Lord and Savior. And in a step of faith, by way of prayer, they simply pray, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin, I repent of them, and I give you my heart to save me. Lord, those words, prayed in faith to you, is a prayer of salvation. But it's a... It's more than that. It's, it's, it's a moment of resurrection. The one who was dead is now alive. And Jesus, you said that you will never leave us nor forsake us. But unfortunately, Lord, there are those that have prayed that prayer who have left and forsaken you. The call of this world, the, the whispers of Satan are still there. 
And Lord, we as Christians, we beat upon our breast and we talk about the big picture of Satan and we point a finger at all the wrongs in the world while all the while in our own life there's so much wrong. We're diseased with sin. We have a heart for the flesh and the things of this world and we're disobedient. We're living in the old life while we've been given a new life. And Lord, while our salvation is sure, we're just sick, Lord. And we need the same healing that we had when we were saved, the healing of your grace. And we come and just repent of our sin, renew our heart to you, and step out of the dead and into the light and into the life that you give us. So Lord, whatever prayer has been prayed today, a profession of faith or, or Lord, a recommitment to the faith, our prayer this morning is your will be done as you call our name to respond. In your name, Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today. Thank you.